Malcolm Signal Network. Here's how we're going to start our next segment. Barry Weiss is going to join us in a couple of minutes. This is a um, yeah. Go ahead. This is a uh, a speech that she delivered at what now is an uh, iconic event. Uh, just a few weeks ago here in New York City in response to all the uh, random attacks that have been taking place, some of the really serious violent attacks and other random attacks that have been taking place here um, in this area and across the country, uh, there was a, uh, a rally. Uh, every community was invited to participate, a rally against anti-Semitism uh, that went over to Brooklyn Bridge. Many of you are familiar with it. Uh, I believe we were we were doing the Israel trip during that time, if I'm not mistaken. We were in Israel that Sunday. And uh, I think that was the only – everyone said we were excused because we were in Israel. Otherwise, we would have been there, of course. Anyway, Barry Weiss was among the speakers. These were the words that she said at that rally um, on that Sunday just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, here they are for you at the Nahum Siegel Network. My name is Barry Weiss. I am a proud American, I am a proud New Yorker, and I am a proud Jew. I am not a Jew because people hate my religion, my people, my civilization. Not for a single moment does Jew hatred make me a Jew. I am a Jew because my people has been targeted and despised and murdered by the Nazis and the Soviets. I am a Jew because evil hates my people. I am a Jew because my people managed to turn destruction into redemption by returning to their land after 2,000 years. I am a Jew because the founders of this country saw themselves as the new Israelites. I am a Jew because the words on the Liberty Bell proclaim liberty throughout the land rang out from the righteous mouths of this country's abolitionists as they fought for universal freedom in the New Jerusalem. I am a Jew because it was Emma Lazarus who etched the biblical injunction to welcome the stranger onto the consciousness of America when she wrote the words, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. I am a Jew because of the martyrs of Tree of Life and Chabad of Poway and Jersey City. And I am a Jew because of the courage of those who fought back in Muncie and then who immediately after the attack gathered together and sang. I am a Jew because my brothers and sisters in Crown Heights, in Borough Park, and in Williamsburg refused to hide their Judaism. I am a Jew because of students across this country who refuse to be smeared and denigrated because of who they are, who are standing up against humiliation, pressure, and abuse to affirm the justice of Zionism. I am a Jew because my brothers and sisters in England and France are battling the anti-Semitism of populist thugs and politicians in Parliament. I am a Jew because Jews are of every color, class, politics, and language, and I am a Jew because the hatred of us has no color, no class, no politics, and is of every language. I am a Jew because Jews do not cause Jew hatred. Ever. Today, as with so many times in history, there are forces in the world and in this city insisting that Jews need to disappear or die. Some say it bluntly. Some cloak it in the language of progress. But I am a Jew because I know there is a force far greater than that. And that is the force of who we are and of our world-changing ideas. 
The Jewish people were not put on earth to be anti-anti-Semites. We were put on earth to be Jews. We are the people whose God never slumbers or sleeps, and so neither can we. We are the lamplighters. We are the Maccabees. We are the ever-dying people who refuses to die. The people of Israel lives now, and we live forever. I'm Yisrael Chai. Wow. <laughs> you basically summed up your whole book in one three-minute speech. Pretty amazing. Uh, let's have a nice welcome for the author of the book, How to Fight Anti-Semitism, Barry Weiss. Guys. Barry, Barry is here in Borough Park, Brooklyn, at Eichler's, and uh, it is a pleasure to have you here. I thank Morty for giving me this opportunity, and of course the entire staff here. And uh, I'm sure you were uh, you were thrilled with the reception you got at the desk over there as people were speaking to you and, uh, and, uh, and engaging with you about your work. I'm just so excited to be here. I've spent the past, I would say, not just since the book came out, but honestly since after the attack in Pittsburgh, right. traveling to Jewish communities all over the country, sometimes three and four communities in a week, Communities on the religious right and the religious left, small, big, secular, not so, I mean, everything, you name it. And somehow I had not been invited to speak in Brooklyn until Morty reached out to me. In so I'm one just, of the most noticeable Jewish communities yes. in the world. So I'm just very, very thrilled to to be here. And um, yeah. Thank God this worked out. Uh, well, we know what happened on the 27th of October in 2018. That was the day of the quote-unquote Pittsburgh shooting that claimed 11 lives. You were bat mitzvahed in that synagogue. Your connection to Pittsburgh and that synagogue has been well documented. Um, we had the opportunity, as I mentioned, we met back in November of 2018, just a few days after the attack when we were in Rabbi Wasserman Shul together. And then uh, a year later, on the 13th of November of 2019, we went back and had an opportunity to really experience what Pittsburgh's all about. The first time, as Miriam pointed out earlier, was really just the aftermath of this terrible tragedy, and we were trying to stay out of people's way while at the same time bring everything to our listeners. The second time around, we were welcomed at the JCC. Not every JCC would be welcoming to a noticeably orthodox radio outfit, and the, the people there were so amazing and, 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 and so welcoming. And what you just described in terms of I visited you know, small synagogues and large ones, small communities and large ones, and, and those who are on the religious right, the religious left, I think that's symbolic of what Pittsburgh's all about. Yeah. Everybody living together peacefully. I, in retrospect, I didn't know it at the time because when you're growing up, all you know is what you've experienced. Right. It was only when I came to college at Columbia, New York, that I understood that Jews could fight about something like the height of a machitza. <laughs> when I was growing up, it was a completely normal um, for us to have, you know, 30 people to Shabbat dinner. My dad is a Trump-curious conservative. My mom is a liberal. I'm the oldest of four daughters. We were always arguing about politics in my family. And it was very normal on Shabbat to have, you know, conversations late into the night. And then for us to go to the conservative synagogue where, not to be heretical, but I was one of the youngest Torah readers, and then go to a Chabad family for lunch— we all and your relationship with Ari Wasserman, who's the key Orthodox rabbi in the synagogue. Yeah, in, in my the dad's. Yeah, right. half, one one out of every. If you your know, father's two not Shabbatot, in that my, synagogue, he's in his synagogue. Exactly. So what I mean to say is that the sense that I grew up with, that dedication and love for the Jewish people, that Ahavat Yisrael comes before everything else, that was ingrained in me from such a young age, so that 
it's made it possible, I think, for me to not feel constrained by one stream of Judaism or one stream of politics or really any of that stuff, which frankly in this moment is so beside the point. This is the moment where we need to be showing incredible solidarity with one another. I know just looking at this room that I have incredible disagreements with lots of people here about lots of things that are important to me. That is secondary to me in this moment. Um, And that was kind of the, one of the, impetuses behind this book um, and that is very much the ethos of the Pittsburgh Jewish community which is really really special I think also um, one thing that the fight against Jeremy Corbyn in England just showed is that it is in fact possible for very diverse Jewish communities to come together to fight a threat in that case the threat of an anti-Semite running the Labour Party who threatened to become Prime Minister of England. Thankfully, he was, you know, thoroughly defeated. But I think that the British Jewish community, which I had always sort of not looked down on, but I had always looked at the British Jewish community as those are the quiet Jews, those are the go-along Jews, those are the ones who just kind of want to, you know, skate by. I I'm eating my words now. I look at the model that they just showed for us of how we can come together. Um, and so I'm going to, on my British book tour in a few weeks, and nice. I'm really excited to meet some of the heroes of the fight against And Jeremy I think one Corbyn. of the keys in the UK was they were able to really recruit their neighbors, their friends from other religions and from other political backgrounds to join in and understand the severity of the fight. Right. When I think about two of the greatest heroes right now in England against in the fight against anti-Semitism, they're not Jews. They are J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, who has been an outspoken advocate on against Jew hatred in England, and Majid Nawaz. Who in this room knows Majid Nawaz? I'm just curious. Does anyone know that name? Morty does. So Majid Nawaz, for those who don't know him, is a true righteous Gentile. Majid Nawaz grew up in Egypt. He was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood and was jailed um, as an Islamist. Now he says he's, he calls himself a recovering anti-Semite, but he's actually <laughs> a fully recovered anti-Semite. He is one of the most outspoken advocates um, against Jew hatred and on behalf of the things that really keep Jews safe, liberty, religious freedom, the idea of judging people based on their individual merit and not based on their group identity. And I'm just, I'm going to be at the Cambridge Union with him. And I think that if there's a smart Jewish philanthropist in the world, they will set up a righteous Gentile prize in honor of Majid Nawaz and give it every single year to a different person. Because one thing we should be doing in our community is really elevating and celebrating those people who are willing to have skin in the game and stand with us. The amount of hatred that someone like that takes for standing up on behalf of the Jewish people and the Jewish state is is quite unbelievable. Excellent and, and they idea. To be celebrated. And, and by the way, very similar to what you write in your last chapter about Jews doing what you just described, standing up and you know telling the world we are Jews, as you did in that speech. We are we are we are here. We're not going anywhere. We are proud of what we are, etc. By the way, you mentioned earlier. And I have to go back for a second. You mentioned earlier the disagreements that you and I and others might likely have in this setting. But yet, when I saw this scene to my right, it looked like you were feeling the brotherhood and sisterhood of being among your brothers and sisters here to a great degree. Of course, because that's what I lead with. Like there are different moments call for different things. At a moment of safety for Jews. 
you know, we might be sitting here having a debate about Trump or a debate about, I don't know, like feminism. And those things are still extremely important. I write about those things all the time. But the reason that I feel it's important for someone like me who's not from this community to put on a long skirt and long sleeves and come out to Borough Park is because you guys right now, the people that live in this community, the people that are obviously identified in their Jewishness, um, are the people that are on the front lines for all of us. And when people who are visibly Jewish are not safe, no Jews are safe. I never wore a Magen David in my entire life. After Pittsburgh, I put one on because I was just a visceral feeling of I want to show my Jewishness. And when I'm on shows like, you know, Bill Maher or The View or CNN, that people know that I'm a Jew. But also I felt it was important to like have skin in the game publicly and to be publicly identified as a Jew. One thing that I'm trying to do in life, in a, you know, I would have never done this, but I happened to be in Penn Station when the... Um, Siyum Hashas, is that what it's called? Right. Was letting out. So it was like flooded, <laughs> flooded with the most visible Jews <laughs> in New York. And I was like, you know, typically I would never stop someone and like say Mazal Tov. But I made it a point to like go around to different Jews in Penn Station and be like, Mazal Tov. And I think they were kind of shocked because I look the way I do and they look the way they do. But I think that it's really, really important in every small way to model solidarity with one another. You know, I grew up with the, you know, the phrase that was taught to me at, at the Solomon Schechter Day School I went to, you know, kol Yisrael arvim zebaza. Okay, is that a lovely theory or is that a lived reality? And, and how can we show that kind of solidarity uh, with one another and with, with our neighbors. Brilliant. And by the way, that type of attitude helps in the battle against anti-Semitism. It's all part of the same picture we should note, because I know we have <laughs> very limited time with you and there's so much I want to cover. Um, as we said earlier, you do exp you explain the history and you go through a lot in terms of what people need to know, the basics and more in terms of anti-Semitism and its roots. Uh, but then you pay careful attention, and I joked before, of course, about the volume on each side, but you pay careful attention to what's happening from the right and from the left. And I would add, and you did, of course, in certain cases, what happens with anti-Zionism, how that's a cloak for anti-Semitism, anti-Israel, BDS, etc., etc. There are so many different angles that the enemies of our people or those who want to be haters take that we have to be aware of all of them. Right. And I think you kind of touched on this in an earlier interview. One of the most important things that we can do to show that we genuinely, you know, that we're genuine in our aims is, and I see the, the opposite of this too often in our community. In our community, I often see when people on the right see the behavior of someone like uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, they point the finger and say, look, we told you it's a problem in the Democratic Party. We told you it's a problem on the left. And then when Trump says something or Trump empowers a group like True News, which is an anti-Semitic outlet giving them press credentials, then you hear all my friends on the left saying, ha ha, look, we told you it's on the right. I think one of the most important strategies that we can take right now is for people to be calling out anti-Semitism on their own side. So when someone like a conservative like Ben Shapiro calls it out in the Republican Party, that is much more powerful than him calling it out against the people that are already his political enemies right. and using it as a cudgel to sort of berate people who he already disagreed with. One of the reasons that you know I get accused of going too hard on left-wing anti-Semitism, even though I think I take them both quite seriously, is because that's the world that I swim in. Mm -hmm. You know, the anti-Semitism that I've confronted in my own life, 
well, actually, it's it's both. But you know, in my daily life, I would say is definitely the anti-Semitism from people that have PhDs, not the anti-Semites that hang out in neo-Nazi forums online. And so, I think it's very important to follow my own rule. Phenomenal. All right, a couple of things I must do. Um, I'm sure you're going to appreciate this. We, we were in Pittsburgh on the 13th of November, as I told you. We spoke. Well, you to interviewed s- my dad at some and point. And that was he the first trip. You're, Lou Weiss, what a genius. Uh, you're, you're an amazing father. People know him from the Wall Street Journal and other fora. Um, we spoke to Stephen Cohen and Barbara Kaplan. Mm-hmm. They were co-presidents of the New Light Congregation, which you know is part of the Tree of Life and, of course, part of that terrible disaster. And we spoke about three victims who came from their congregation, Richard Godfrey, Daniel Stein, and Melvin Wax. Mm. And I asked them about them, and I was so glad I did. And you'll, I think you'll appreciate this. One, Richard, they described as the rabbi's right-hand man. Uh, Daniel, they described as the guy who organized all the trips, men's club, trip to Washington, et cetera, et cetera, at, like the manager of the shul. And Melvin uh, was the, uh, the person who always had a joke, always had a smile, and knew the service by heart. And I said to them, all three of these people... I said to them, we know every person knows all three of these people. Because all three three of these people are in every shul in the world. In every shul in America, certainly. And these are the ones who were taken from us that day. Well, I think one thing to think about, right, is like who shows up to shul on Shabbat morning at 9 a.m.? Right. Right? It's like most (laughs) people, like my dad, he's rolling in at like 11. (laughs) You know, he's there for like the kiddush, basically, and the schmooze. no, No shade. But like... The people that show up at that time are the stalwarts of the community. They're the people that hold the community up. Um, And oftentimes it's people that are older and that are, you know, looking for a community. Um, And as you know, you know, two of the people that were killed were Cecil and David Rosenthal, two um, special needs men in our community who were kind of the unofficial mayors of Pittsburgh. They were always there as ushers waiting to greet people. So it was really... And you know what the fire department did... At their funeral, when yes, they all I was dressed, there. you were at the funeral. That w- was that was just hearing about it was. And that the, one of the pallbearers at the funeral was Brett Kiesel of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. I mean, so I think one thing to keep in mind, you know, we're living in a scary moment, and we're living in a moment where a lot of us are asking ourselves. I think for the first time, I grew up very much with the idea from my parents and my grandparents that America was a new Jerusalem. America was singular in Jewish history. It was saved or inoculated from the tragedy of so much of Jewish history, not least because we were founded by people who imagined themselves to be new Israelites enacting a modern exodus. Um, And it's not that that is untrue. It's just, I think we are going through a time where we're asking ourselves, was that as true as, as we imagined? Um, and I just lost my train of thought. But no, you had asked me something, and I no, it was we Pittsburgh. Were, no, 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 hold on, Pittsburgh, New Jerusalem. We spoke about America, the, the, the victims, and the type of people that would be there early in synagogue. Yeah, and, and no, <laughs> okay. That's okay, this happens to me. <laughs> no it's problem. Okay. No, we're not going to hold it against you. How do you like that? Um, in no, what might in what might be the most important part of the book? And yeah. we're recommending the book to everybody and everybody watching and listening. You must pick it up. It's such an amazing, comprehensive look at anti-Semitism. In what might be the uh, you got it. I'm gonna get it. It's like right there. It's in the like lizard part well, of my brain. I'll in the give back. you. I'll give you a chance as long as you give us an extra bit. Yeah, of two. course. Take more um, time. It's fine. Uh, you talk about two people. Uh, in the quote-unquote solution to anti-Semitism, assuming there is, you know, really a way that, you know, we can combat this effectively, you talk about two people who had a very important impact on you, Zev Magain and Leonard Jeffries. 
Now, I remember Jeffries coming to Columbia, and it was mm -hmm. quite a, I mean, the media paid a lot of attention to him, and he had a lot of interesting things at the minimum to say about the Jewish community. But my Gaines reaction, what was it about what he said that made you formulate really almost an entire chapter of the book around it? So Zev Magen, the, as you'll know if you read it, the title is directly ripped off from an essay that he wrote um, that an older student gave to me when I was a, you know, a pro-Israel Jewish activist at Columbia, and the essay was called How to Fight Anti-Semitism. He wrote it when he was a graduate student at Columbia, and Leonard Jeffries, who is this sort of notoriously anti-Semitic professor uh, from another school, was coming to campus to right. speak. And he observed the same phenomenon that anyone that's involved in Jewish organizational life knows very well, which was committees were formed and people were trying to decide what the right messaging would be and what the optics should be and how could we protest this in the right way that would win people to our side. And he writes in this essay, you know, if someone calls you a pig, do you stand on the street corner with a sign saying, I am not a pig? In other words, the entire defensive framework of we are dehumanized and denigrated and then we basically go with our begging bull beseeching people to see us as human beings is wrong. He suggests in that essay, and I think it fundamentally changed my frame of mind, that the ultimate and ultimately the only solution to fighting Jew hatred, obviously we need to harden our spaces, secure our spaces, we need to educate people, all those things need right. to happen. But at the core, what needs to happen is we need to use that moment to remind ourselves who we are and what we are fighting for. In other words, if our entire identity is constructed on fighting back against the people that hate us, on being anti-anti-Semites, what's the point at all? That is not what we were put on earth to do. Um, and so it's funny that you mention this because, you know, I do a lot of meetings, but last night in particular, I had over like 20 Columbia students Ooh. who are getting ready to fight a BDS vote on campus and they're exhausted having having done it for the past five years and it's just sort of getting worse and understandably they're exhausted and I told them to read Zeb Magen's essay and we started a conversation about instead of fighting the BDS vote what if the week of the BDS vote we brought Sasha Baron Cohen, Gal Gadot, Natan Sharansky, and 10 other heroes of the Jewish people to campus. What would that do, not just for the Jewish students on campus, but for everyone else? That is the kind of radical shift in mindset that I think that we need. Brilliant. There's too much defensiveness and mm -hmm. crouching in our community. Um, I think we need to really be... Stop. We need to stop asking things of ourselves that we would never ask of another minority group under right. threat. And on the Magain David uh, uh, aspect, uh, to be proud, uh, reasonably proud. I know there are places on this globe where it would not be suggested to wear a Magain David, but you know where where it reasonably can be worn or a yama can be can be worn. You encourage people to show their Jewishness and be proud of it and be proactive in their d demonstration of their Judaism. Yeah, and one other thing, I don't write this in the book, but I think is true. I'm a huge admirer. I would even say a fellow traveler of Chabad. I think what they do is incredible. Right. And one of the reasons for that is an experience I had when I was 24 years old. I'd just gotten a job, my first really big job in journalism at the Wall Street Journal. And it was very 
waspy environment and a very old boys club environment. I, I felt like I was Fran Drescher. Like I had never <laughs> been in such a non-Jewish environment in my life. Do people even know who Fran Drescher is? <laughs> I don't know what they get anyway, the reference. But okay. I felt very People Jewish. listening and watching are laughing. I can I, tell you that much. <laughs> I was very aware of my Jewishness. Um, and there was part of me, even though I would not have been able to articulate this at the time, that kind of wanted to just fit in. And I remember very distinctly on Hanukkah, my first year there, that Chabadniks, Moti Seligson, if you're listening, and some other people oh, showed up, sure. showed yeah, up with um, Sufganiyot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like Uh-oh. these people <laughs> with the black hats and the payas are like coming through. Like I'm embarrassed. I really felt that way. And what was amazing to me was to see the response of my non-Jewish colleagues. The response of my non-Jewish colleagues was, this is awesome. And, you know, John, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has this famous line, non-Jews respect Jews who respect Judaism. Correct. You have that in here, right? And there was this moment for me of like, wow, they don't check any part of their identity of any room they enter. I need to be exactly that way. And it was a real like shift moment for me. Um, and I just try and do that in my own life. I try and do that every single day when I walk into the New York Times wearing this necklace. I could tell you the Lubavitcher Rebbe would be very proud of you, <laughs> okay. knowing something about him. And I must tell you, and, and my staff's going to laugh because it's one of the only topics I ever discussed now, the Yeshiva University basketball team, 17 straight wins as of last night, <laughs> doing unbelievable both on both the court. But I mentioned this to you for the following Wait, reason. why are we bringing that up? I, I mentioned this to you for the following reason. You're going to love this. Last night, I walked over to their coach, Elliot Steinmetz, and I said, I want to tell you what the highlight of the season has been. Now, imagine, 17 in a row, everyone, the whole country is talking about them. Certainly, every Jew is tuning into their games. He says, what's the highlight of the season? I said, the highlight is that you told Division Three Hoops, which is the national uh, radio network, that now you wear a yarmulke at work beca- wow. because of the – and he looked at me like, you know, I never considered that that's a big deal. And well, there's a lot of people I know that are and, – and it's interesting – I find that the real leadership on this issue in our community, or at least in my community, is coming from very young people. Right. The people that are older and more established, and they tend to want to kind of hoard their status and their capital. and Not take any risks. Not take any risks. It's the younger people that really don't have much to lose that are absolutely to the barricades in this fight and you know I'm um, I'm, re- I'm reading a biography of Theodore Herzl and it reminds me of his own experience where you know it was German Jewry and the more statusy Jewry that was kind of very wary of his plan it was Russian Jewry and the poorer Jews and the younger Jews right. he writes about Who this were that motivated. were drawn to his cause and willing um, to Put their put put skin in the game. The others were don't rock the boat. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot in that that uh, we should really be looking and empowering the younger Jews because you know millennial. I'm I'm an elder millennial, so (laughs) the millennials and the Gen Zers kind of get a bad reputation for apathy. I have found that the absolute opposite is the case, and there's just so much energy with young people right now, and that's where I'm trying to put my focus. Can't thank you enough. Spending Super Sunday with Barry Weiss. Let's hear it. The book is called How to Fight Anti-Semitism. I I think the only problem you have today is that the Steelers aren't playing in the game. Other other than (laughs) that, you're fine, right? I'm great. Can't thank you enough. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for making this happen, and thank you to Morty Getz for making this happen, and we are at Eichler's in Borough Park having an amazing time with Barry Weiss and the staff here in Borough Park, Brooklyn. More coming up. You're listening to our final minutes of a very special Super Sunday broadcast at the Nahum Siegel Network.